Welcome to Menopause, Marriage and Motherhood, a podcast that's all about changing the way we view midlife and bringing the conversation about menopause out into the open. Each week we share stories, experiences and inspiration. We talk to experts on how to best navigate this time of life and find out how other people have not only survived but thrived through this time. I'm your host, Karen O'Connor. Hello and welcome. Today I'm here with Dinah Vink. Dinah used to work in corporate high-tech marketing and started to experience some strange symptoms that turned out to be perimenopause and soon they were interfering with her work. There was a lot of stigma connected with menopause in the workplace that she wishes she knew then, but she now knows now. That was a crap way to say it. There was a lot of stigma connected with menopause in the workplace, and she wishes she knew then what she knows now. She gives some guidance on how women can better manage their symptoms in the workplace. So welcome, Dinah. Well, hi, Karen. Thanks so much for having me. So we've all kind of experienced that. I mean, one of the things about the podcast is that menopause isn't something that's really openly discussed or accepted. It's still kind of something that just keep it to one side. And particularly, I should imagine, in the corporate world, you can't let things interfere with your job. The job comes first. I'm assuming that's what happened to you. Just tell me a little bit about what happened. Yeah, well, you're you're exactly right there. Um, I I worked as a director of marketing in uh, in a high tech uh, company, and like most high tech companies, they tend to be mostly male. So ninety percent, give or take, is pretty much what it was. So there were never lineups in 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 the washroom. Put it that way. <laughs> and so here I was working, and I was starting to experience some changes, which I didn't even attribute to perimenopause at first. It was just various things, like there was brain fog. So why can't I think clearly? Why can't I share this framework clearly? Why can't I hang different pieces of data into my framework and then respond with a pithy answer? And it was, <laughs> I, I was wondering why this wasn't happening happening quite so so efficiently as it used to and um it, uh, th- there was also weight gain that started happening and so i i wasn't really sure what was going on and um when i went to my doctor she was really no help she tried to body shame me because i'd gained something like i don't know 15 pounds or something since my my previous checkup and she gave me this outdated diet that was completely hormone inappropriate. And I just looked at that and I said, well, this isn't helpful. This is not going to get me where I want to go. And it turns out that three out of four women have the same kind of uh, problem, uh, that they're just not getting satisfaction from their doctor. So there I was working and not feeling very supported. I went to my personal trainer and uh, tried to explain some of these symptoms and what was going on. And I'd always been fairly active, uh, especially doing long distance cycling, but in the gym, you know, three, four days a week uh, for sure. And he just gave me this high intensity, work harder, work harder kind of program. And I was just exhausted and not seeing any results and just feeling worse than ever. And so then I trotted over to my nutritionist and looked for help there. And she gave me the same diet that my doctor had given me. So this was clearly not helping. And so there I I was at the office um, and you spend... 
about 60 hours a week is pretty normal. Uh, so you're spending a lot of time there. And it started to become a bit of a grind. And I'd always loved my job. I'd never been checking my watch to see what time it was. Is it time to go home or is it time for a break or something? I'd never done that. And now I was just starting to feel exhausted. Uh, Sleep wasn't as restful as it used to be. And it wasn't until the hot flashes started and they started in in grand fashion. It was in a corporate meeting that I had called. I was the chairperson of the meeting. (laughs) And all of a sudden, after eating the muffins that one gets in order to bring people into the meeting, it's like bait. And I'd eaten one of those and all of a sudden I started to get hot and I was dripping and I'm thinking, oh my God, what is happening here? And so after that, they came pretty thick and fast. And so that's, you know, that's when the penny dropped and I knew at least I was in perimenopause, but there was nobody to talk to. Who would you talk to? I could find, you know, I had a pal over in internal communications. <laughs> uh, I, I could talk to a couple of other women, but like, you know, what were they going to do? So, it, you know, the, the whole stigma, particularly in a very competitive uh, environment like that, high tech is very high paced and being a female, of course, posed a bit of an extra challenge. I mean, the guys were nice, but they, they just weren't interested in any kind of weird thing that women have it's bad enough that they have kids you know it's <laughs> but this <laughs> so <laughs> yeah so it, it really did uh, change uh, my relationship with work and um you know at that point i really didn't know what to do with it it's really interesting everything that you've said you know particularly the brain fog was one of the th- first things that the the first two symptoms were brain fog and then my sleep started getting really bad and I actually I was convinced I had early onset Alzheimer's because I could not string a sentence together some days and that's some days I'm okay with that other days I'm really not still uh, it's still a problem and there's nothing wrong with me. It's just that some days the hormones mean that my, I'm particularly when you haven't slept either. So your brain's not done its detoxification overnight. It's You just feel really groggy. And you can't explain that to someone who hasn't experienced it. But I, th- I also think the other thing I want to pick up on is what you said about all of the medical professions not understanding that, well, this is perimenopause and this is normal and this is how you deal with it. I found out a few weeks ago that menopause is actually an optional extra in a medical degree. It's not right. It's not a compulsory <laughs> unit to do, which is pretty, pretty no. horrifying. <laughs> it is. It is. Yeah. That uh, was uh, revealed in uh, in the same study that I quoted earlier. That It's probably the same in Australia as uh, in the United States. It certainly mirrors the, the Canadian situation. And that is that uh, 80% of residents of general practitioners and OBGYNs are not comfortable dealing with perimenopause or menopause. And when they probed a bit deeper to find out, well, why is that? And they found out, well, it's because it's 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 an elective, and they're not obliged to to take that course, that set of programs. So it's, it's pretty disturbing when you think that 
50% of the world's population uh, is not considered important enough to be placed in, uh, in, in the mainstream of, of study. That's it's pretty troubling. horrifying. And the implications of that are that nobody understands what is going on. So the guys around you and even the other younger women around yeah. you have no yeah. idea what you're going no. through and can't relate to it and can't go, okay, she's obviously having a bad menopause day. <laughs> Let's just give her a bit of a break here or whatever's needed. Yeah. And there are some uh, stereotypes around, but it's mostly of uh, women having hot flashes of going crazy uh, or having hysteria, you know, and none of that is helpful. <laughs> so it, it just goes to the stigma. And uh, so that, yeah, they're, they're really, it's, it's unfortunate that this hasn't been discussed more, but uh, it's it, a good thing that we have something like uh, in October every year, it's uh, world uh, perimenopause uh, awareness month and that really gets a lot of conversations going so uh, for workplace uh, safety policies for example health and safety policies there are lots of health and safety policies but none of them have anything to do with perimenopause or, or menopause so uh, getting the conversation going from that angle is is clearly where things need to go and that can be done by anybody, you know. So if I'd thought of that back in, in when when I was working in corporate, that that's what I would have done. I, I would have gone to them and I would have presented my problem with a solution attached to it as something that I thought would help me, and then see, well, are you, you know, can you help me with this? Is this something that you can that you can provide some guidance on? What did happen in your workplace? What steps did you take? Or what? Yeah, what happened and then what steps did you take? Well, things kind of chugged along for a while and then I started doing some reading. And so I started looking at the women's aging research and I found myself that insulin resistance was part of my problem. So that led me to look at a low-carb diet and uh, cutting sugar particularly out of my diet. So those were things that I figured out myself. And, you know, it had some pretty dramatic effects quite quickly. So that was, that satisfying. And uh, that one of the things that I, I, I like to, uh, to help ladies with is using food as medicine. So there's some pretty quick results that can be had with that, but that's not the whole story. But what, what happened in, in, in that situation is that um, my company was, uh, was bought out. <laughs> so it was the telecom sector. And every couple of years this happened. Uh, I think I've had like nine jobs in, in corporate tech because every couple of years, you know, there's a, there's a big change. So either the company goes bankrupt or it gets acquired or, or it changes focus or something happens. So um, anyway, uh, we were acquired by Alcatel uh, in the telecom sector, and uh, I didn't want to work for Alcatel. Um, I was used to having a head office job, and uh, working for Alcatel uh, in, in Canada would clearly not provide me that. <laughs> so, uh, so I left and, and went to a, a startup, and uh, that was pretty exciting but some symptoms came back but it was a it was a much more forgiving environment there it was still the 90% men but 
they relied on me in a way that they were happy to accommodate whatever I had going on. So it it was just a much easier environment to uh, to function in. <laughs> so that that helped. Yeah, it, it, this is a complete sidetrack, but it'd be interesting to see how much has changed after COVID and people working from home and how different the expectations are and whether there is more accommodation for people, not just with menopause, but with other things going on, you know, just being able to work around it. That'd be an interesting thing to find out. Yeah, I think uh, COVID has changed the expectations of workers enormously. And I know that for the government, they have got uh, a lot of changes in, in their work policies that they start out as temporary and they move into a more, you know, permanent kind of uh, situation. So now they're, they're looking at uh, hybrid models where people will work, say, three or four days at home and two or three days at work. So this is the same sort of thing that would work really well for women uh, going through perimenopause and, and menopausal symptoms. That would really be take some pressure off and um, allow women to, to cope with their, with their symptoms much better. Just out of pure curiosity here. Do you think that women are more open to that kind of idea than men? Or is there any kind of gender difference with that flexibility around work? <laughs> yeah, I, I think so, because women are much more used to um, multitasking, right? So women have got uh, uh, more care of children. Usually they tend to do more around the house. So by working at home, they have less in the way of sort of geographical challenges of of trying to be in different places at once. So I, I think that women would be more open to that uh, than men. But there are also some consequences when you're not fully visible. When you don't have those office cooler conversations, for example, or uh, if you work in a, you know, in a more of a factory floor situation, if, if you're not seen to be pulling your weight, then there can be consequences. Yeah, I think one of the other downsides from working from home is there's not that separation between work and home. So I found that I like sitting on my armchair in front of the telly with my computer and working, but then my computer's right there. There's nothing, there's yeah. no separation, yeah. quiet time, downtime to work. I'm always on alert. So there is that kind of thing as well. So tell me, let's go back to the actual conversation. Tell me what women can do when they start to hit perimenopause. And the, the big thing for me is the thing that gets me really agitated is we need to understand and recognize what's going on as early as possible and not just leave it till oh there's a hot flush I must be going through perimenopause because there's a, there can be months and months or even a, a couple of years of concern that you're losing your mind or you're not sleeping or you're gaining weight and nothing's happening before you get your first hot flush what would you say around that what's your advice around that well, I think it just goes to uh, understanding what to expect, right? So if you start to understand that there are whatever, 20 or 30 different symptoms that could be associated with perimenopause, 
then you don't think, oh my goodness, my body is falling apart. What's wrong with me? I'm going crazy. There's this, there's this, there's this. And, and actually it's all the same thing. So if we understand, and there, you know, there are a couple of, of simple principles with estrogen and uh, progesterone uh, declining after about age 40, that doesn't just affect the reproductive system. It also affects the cardiovascular and the musculoskeletal system. So those two systems are reliant on estrogen in order to retain bone density, uh, muscle fiber in the musculoskeletal system. And in the cardiovascular system, it keeps the heart itself and the blood vessels supple. So if you think of these as like, these are two massive systems that we have, and there's a whole lot of things that can happen that are related to those. So just understanding something as simple as that, that estrogen in particular isn't just a reproductive hormone, but it has these other functions, then you can start to see, okay, when I get joint pain, I get it, right? That's that's what's happening. When I don't recover after exercise so quickly, I get it, right? It's because my my muscles and my bones are, are, are dealing with less estrogen. When I need to recover, when I get hot flashes, the whole heating and cooling system <laughs> is all part of that cardiovascular system, right? You start to get it. The brain fog, ah, okay. So there's some buildup in my head in, in my brain that I haven't managed to clear out, I must get some more sleep and I should probably make sure that I'm not eating sugar. So, you know, there's some basic principles to, to understand that can really help to explain some of this, some of these myriad of, of different symptoms that can just, uh, yeah, can just overtake you if, if you don't understand. It's interesting because somebody said to me the other week that basically if you're 40 and you have something going on for you, assume that it's perimenopause. That's the easiest mm. assumption. Yeah. If you're angry unusually or you're stressed or you start putting on weight or you get headaches or you got brain fog or anything, can't sleep, assume that it's perimenopause and take it from yeah. there. Yeah. Which I wish I'd known yeah, well, when I was 40. <laughs> Yeah, well, it's 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 a good place to to start for sure. And you know, knowing that this change is is coming uh, allows you to prepare. And you know, in my case, it was almost two years before I figured it out. And not because I wasn't uh, raising the alarm, but because my my team of health professionals <laughs> didn't know either. So th this is this is a pretty common thing. And there are some, well, when your body starts performing in a way that you don't recognize, it can be very alarming. Mm. Because you, you've been able to handle your body, deal with it, you, you understand, you know, if I do this, I know that that will happen. If I do this, right, then I know, if I want to lose weight, if I want to go to sleep, if I want to, you know, whatever, build muscle, if, if I if I want to, you know, build up some endurance. Then, then I know what I have to do. But then once you hit uh, perimenopause, uh, all that changes. <laughs> so that's another clue <laughs> that something is going on. So it's, so I think it's best to, to understand what, what's going on uh, and to be able to anticipate it so that when you start to see these symptoms in yourself, you can, you can take some appropriate action. What happened with you beyond there, you know, beyond that incident where you moved companies and everything? 
Well, I continued to to research because I started having other other issues. Uh, I started having some digestive problems. I started getting restless leg syndrome. So at least at least then I I could start to research it more in greater detail. And so I started to to put these pieces together, but I didn't I didn't really tell anyone, you know. It was just my own little private investigation. <laughs> and and then ultimately, I didn't really feel comfortable in corporate anymore. So the next you know, the next job that I had lasted I guess I don't know, 2 or 3 years and then they were acquired. <laughs> so so after that, I ended up in a not-for-profit and they're the uh, the not for profit quite small and my boss was uh, i think two or two years older than i was and we were in we were in the same boat right so that was perfect <laughs> we had a very good working relationship there but i had to do a lot of videos and and uh, manage the agm and events and all that kind of stuff uh, as well as uh, a lot of strategic work and i i i used to keep this ice pack in the in the fridge that had like gel in it and keep it in the freezer so if I had to do like a, a video segment, I would just stuff this thing along my midriff, you know, and just to, like a cooling, a center of cooling. And I just thought that was so hilarious. I'd be, be hugging this ice pack while I was doing this, this presentation on video. And, 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 but my boss was just laughing. I mean, she, she knew exactly what was going on. And um, so at least we could laugh about about it and and some of the others in the in the organization uh, understood that you know that we had this thing going on with <laughs> with with perimenopause moving into menopause and um so at least there was a, a, an ability to talk about it some more so that was uh, that was great and then after that job i i went out on my own and uh and so then I didn't, you know, I didn't have workplace policy so much, but certainly when I'd go in to present a, a contract, so I'd, I'd, you know, do a communications strategy or something and I'd go and I'd present it, then I'd always be concerned about the room that we'd be in. So are they going to sit me under a hot air vent, for example? And so how much ice do I have in this little drinking glass over here <laughs> like how long is it going to last with <laughs> grab my hands around it trying to cool down i i continued to have some amusing situation but at least then i could try and position myself according to the most strategically comfortable spot <laughs> for my uh, for my condition and that still happens sometimes so now I'm, I'm, you know, I watch for it. I, I don't want to sit right underneath the, the heat vent and, and uh, it's just not, not a good place for me. So, it's funny, isn't it? I have to use estrogen cream. I had an operation last year and I have to use estrogen cream and half the time I don't want to use it because it brings on the hot flushes again. So I'm like, ooh, <laughs> it's a trade-off one against the other. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Yeah. One of the things that struck me over the couple of years that I've been doing this is a lot of this isn't talked about because it used to be women's stuff. And we used to be in a community of women where we could talk to somebody older and they knew what was going on and they could help us. And now we're all kind of scattered and isolated and we're relying on medical professionals more and they don't actually know what's going on. I One of my friends who is perimenopause, she's definitely well into perimenopause. 
And she's done the same thing as you. She's got this trainer and she's saying, I'm working out so hard. And I keep saying to her, well, you shouldn't be. That's not how it should be. And But the internet, the things that you're doing and the things that I'm doing are actually great because that's the new community that we've got, that collection of women that can support and share information. And then hopefully that change will start getting out there through into the medical profession, into the health professionals, because I find it really upsetting, horrifying, that people like trainers in the gym and naturopaths and anybody else does not know how menopause impacts women's bodies. They're supposed to be the people that we're relying on for information, but they can't actually give us accurate information because they don't know it. So we're going to people for support and it's not there. They're actually giving us completely incorrect support. Yeah. And these days uh, where there's more, call it science-based evidence, right? So when when I was pulling together the information, I was always looking for papers that had been peer-reviewed and you know, that, that had some, some credibility to them in order to start putting some of these, these frameworks together of how, how can we deal with this? Because often, uh, certainly my mother uh, was no help to me. Well, of course, she, she drifted off into dementia <laughs> by the time I needed her. So that wasn't so great. But when she was going through perimenopause and menopause, for her, it was pretty, pretty easy sailing. She didn't have the kinds of problems that I had. Although if we talked about it, she may have had some problems that she didn't attribute to to perimenopause or menopause. Just because of that lack of knowledge, um, maybe there's some old wives tales that would have been helpful. I mean, those are certainly based on something. But um, these days, like, uh, first of all, we live a lot longer than uh, than we used to. So uh, it's only been a couple of generations that have uh, lived beyond, you know, call it childbearing years. So using this research is really important to try and and uh, figure out what's what's best for us. And uh, th- there's also, uh, well, some of some of this misinformation around. So when you're going to your to your professionals for for help, and they're just treating you like that. You know, my personal trainer, I could have been a 20 year old man for the advice he was giving me. Not uh, a hormone diminished <laughs> diminishing woman. <laughs> it was <laughs> so. Uh, yeah, it's good to to have new communities to draw on in order to uh, to update the information. The other thing I was going to say was it's interesting how many women hit midlife and then change careers. So, and I hadn't even thought of that aspect till you were talking. I, yeah. I thought, oh, what suits us when we're in our childbearing years, even if we've had a really successful, really happy career like you did, when we hit perimenopause and the hormones change, we're like, oh, maybe this doesn't work for me anymore. And I wonder how much that has to do with the changing hormones as well. Yeah, that's a really good point. And when you look at you know, and that happens all you know across the spectrum, but when you look at, say, women in leadership positions, 
it's really quite astonishing how you've got a number of women who are tracking for senior positions and all of a sudden they they head left and 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 they're off on something completely different so i think you're quite right and in my case so maybe there's some ageism there um uh, i'm also not as comfortable in the kind of corporate situation that that i used to be completely comfortable in so i decided okay if uh, if i've got those two factors working against me if I can just pull this research together and and uh, you know become accredited and you know make uh, make that my focus, then my age isn't a liability anymore. Then age is kind of a you know a badge of honor, and this is something that I I've gone through. I understand it. Uh, I've made it my business to learn what to do and you know how to reorganize self-care and and uh, you know how to how to manage these symptoms and that's something that that I can that I can offer to other people so uh, changing uh, changes of career is is quite common and sometimes it's due to a lack of confidence if there's a uh, you know a lot of brain fog um if people uh, well sometimes uh, women get a lot of flow in their monthly cycle and they they just don't feel comfortable being out and about anymore uh you know they have all these spare clothes all over the place in case they they have a breakthrough and so that can be pretty bad if they get anxiety that they didn't used to have then being able to manage you know mini panic attacks in the middle of a meeting i mean it it gets pretty challenging so yeah, yeah, it's unfortunate, but uh, it it certainly does impact women at 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 different levels in in the organization for sure. What I'm hearing, and correct me if I'm wrong, is that there's maybe a change from when we're in our child rearing years, where we can be quite competitive, and then once we hit perimenopause, it's more gentler. There's no the outcome might be the same, but we'd go about things in a completely different way. There wouldn't be that cutthroat, climb the corporate ladder. It's just like, no, chill, I want to do this my own way. I'm going to go over here and just and just complete it this way. Is that what you found? Am I describing it right or have I completely misheard? <laughs> Could have done. My, my experience is that um, women, as they get into perimenopause and menopause, they don't tolerate fools as, as easily. And they don't stick around to try and battle it out, right? They they just either speak their mind and face the consequences, or else yeah. they go somewhere where where their uh, where their work is is appreciated and where they can get on with it. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Because that that's me now. I mean, I've always been outspoken anyway, but now I'm just I won't put up with any nonsense from anybody and I think a lot of women experience that it's just we we kind of go hang on no I don't want to be in that toxic environment where yeah it's just it's not nice let's let's be nice to each other like grow up (laughs) it's it's almost a grow up thing isn't it yeah, and and women become less tolerant of the kind of uh, patronization that often happens. And I, I used to get a lot of that uh, in in the corporate world, and I would just fight back. I would just say, "Well, I don't think that's exactly the way I see it." But I would try to to uh, make a little more of, of an assertive uh, uh, statement about something or another. But 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 that takes energy. And at some point you just say, well, just, you know, where on earth do you get that crazy idea from? Like you're out in left field here, you know, this is what we need to be doing. 
So yeah, it's certainly uh, the, the whole tolerance level, I think changes a bit as you get older. And that's, and that's based on experience partly. And it's also just on a reprioritization of what's important. So it's, it's something that I hadn't even considered, but we as women need to have more acceptance of the fact that we're going to be doing that because it's going to make our lives easier. Just a couple of months ago, I hauled one of my daughter's teachers over the coals because he sent me this email and I just went back to him, don't patronise me. And he probably he's used to talking to younger mum. I mean, she's my youngest. I had her when I was 40, so you know, I'm a lot older than a lot of the other mothers. But that could be something if we recognise that that's going to happen, we can maybe preempt it and try not to put ourselves in situ or stay in situations where that's going to become a problem. Maybe I'm just thinking of the corporate world here and jobs and whatever. What are your thoughts? Mm -hmm. So my background is in marketing and communications. So I'm going to come back to that and say, you can never communicate too much. And I think what we're looking at here is uh, change communications. So we we want behaviors to change and we want uh, acceptances and and opinions to to change. So what has to happen there is that there has to be some awareness on on the woman's part first of all to identify what's the objection on her part and then to have a solution which is of course uh, part B but part C is why would this person care? Right. So you have to build the case that makes it interesting for whoever you're up against to to take this into account. So people will always act in their own self-interest. And if you can point out what their self-interest is in in making this change of behavior, then, of course, there's a better likelihood of it happening. So so that means that simply barking back something is probably not the best approach. (laughs) Rather, (laughs) to take the ABC approach, right? What's bothering me? What's the solution? And how are you going to benefit from this? That's, I I think, a, a much better way to do it. Yeah, I've never learned that one. 58, it's not going to happen. <laughs> have my baseball bat. <laughs> so tell me, because we're going to have to start wrapping up in a minute, tell me what you can do, what you do now to support women. Right. Well, uh, I've got a couple of things that uh, that I do. There's uh, a free Facebook group that I offer that they can uh, join in order to uh, either ask questions or to you know join in the in the conversation. I've got uh, a free guide that is called the Women's Guide to Navigating Perimenopause in the Workplace. So that's uh, available. So there's some tips on on what can be done. There's a guide on on uh, having a conversation with your boss, which is pretty helpful. And part of that uh, solution is also a program that I offer. It's an eight-week program that uh, includes coaching as well as uh, an online course. And in this program, I cover basically four pillars. And those pillars uh, are, uh, first of all, food is medicine. Uh, Restorative sleep is the second one. The third one is hormone-appropriate movement. So you don't kill yourself in the process. And finally, there's the fourth pillar is uh, mindfulness. And uh, the happy story there is that you can only have one thought in your mind at once. And if you can start managing your self-talk and if you can be thinking positive thoughts, then that 
does a, that goes an enormous way to quelling anxiety and and being able to sleep better, that kind of thing. So the whole stress and sleep can really benefit from that mindfulness. So those are the the things that I've got going to uh, to help ladies with uh, with this with these symptoms, these challenges, with the you know these changes uh, in in life. The big thing that I'm hearing in this is really it's all about knowledge and acceptance, being prepared for what's going to happen. Pre-warned is forewarned is forearmed. If you know that here's twenty or thirty possible symptoms and you're going to get all or some of them at some point then that just gives you more peace of mind and helps you relax that was where I was going to go one of the things that I did was I really started running on adrenaline because Mm. I didn't know why was I so tired why couldn't I sleep why can I do this so my adrenaline levels just went up and up and up which means less sleep which means more stress and more brain fog and everything else. Cortisol. Yeah. 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 And you know, this, this knowledge, uh, I I call it kind of a self-care routine and that changes uh, over your lifespan, right? When you're a kid, your self-care is like brushing your teeth and that's it. Right. And as you get older, (laughs) you have to add a few things to that, to that list. And uh, then when you get over 40, then some of the things on the list change a bit and the list gets a little bit longer. But uh, yeah, that's, that's, I think, uh, pretty sum it up. It's, it's a self-care routine that, that people have to <laughs> think about uh, with, with maybe a, a different filter. And the other thing is that it's not a negative. It's just a different stage in life that we've got to, that we are being given and being granted and there's so many advantages in being post-menopausal because we lose a lot of those that need to fit in I think that need to be concerned about what other people think we do lose that yes yes we do (laughs) yes I used to look at old ladies when I was really young, younger than a teenager and go, oh, I just want to be a naughty old lady when I grow up because they get away with murder. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we can certainly aspire to that. (laughs) Thank you so much. It's been a lovely conversation, Dinah. Well, thank you so much for inviting me. I really enjoyed it. All of the links will be on the webpage that goes with this episode. Episode notes, that's it. They'll be in the show notes. So you can find all of those links to Dinah. And please take advantage of what she's offering because it's pretty amazing. I've looked over it and it's really, really good. Thank you so much. Bye. for joining us this week on menopause marriage and motherhood make sure you subscribe to the show on your favorite player and while you're at it we'd love you to leave us a rating on itunes or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show that would be amazing too be sure to tune in next week for the next episode and remember if you're busy thinking about what you can't have how on earth are you going to enjoy what you can have see you next week